Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I'm a firm believer in education, and I think our industry, as it relates to privacy and data, Uh, and identity and financial services has not explained it to anybody in plain damn English. And you see these news about Facebook and, and it's really easy to sort of pick one person and point. In an ever changing world where privacy data and identity is now making daily headlines in the news. This is the Business Leadership Podcast and I am Edwin Frondozo. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining me. This is episode number 61, and I'm really excited to share the conversation that I had with Bianca Lopez. She is an identity and fintech business leader and influencer. Most recently, Bianca was the chief identity officer at BioConnect, where she ran the product management, marketing, business development, and the client success teams. In our conversation, we talk about what the future of identity is and data and technology means, the significance of showing vulnerability as a leader to your team, and lastly, the biggest challenges of being a woman leader. Our sponsors today are BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. Also, Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are seeing when they're calling in. Now, here we go. Bianca, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat. First first off, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners today? Tell us, maybe tell us where you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you like to do when you're not growing or leading, leading businesses. Absolutely. I'm actually in Rio, Brazil. So for all of you out there that are in the cold, be jealous. <laughs> not sure. Uh, it's pretty great. I actually just came back from DC and I'm now in this beautiful sunshine. So I'm quite privileged. This leads away to a little bit of who I am. So I was uh, raised in Brazil. I have spent most of my entrepreneurial career in Canada, actually. Um, how do I describe myself? I'd say I'm a naturally curious person. I'm sort of a proud geek um, after painful teenage years of not being so proud of being a geek. Uh, I'm a bit of a dreamer. I wanted to be a diplomat that turned entrepreneur. And it's funny how today those things to me sound the same. I wanted to be a diplomat to change the world. And and I find business is a way that you change the world around you. What else about me? I'm obsessed with human beings. Uh, I think humans are probably the most interesting thing out there, even though I live in this world of super high tech. Um, and I'm fascinated about data and sort of get very electrified with ideas and meeting people, um, which is why I live a bit of a nomad lifestyle right now. Tell us what you're doing now. What are your current roles? And Perhaps, what are you trying to accomplish now, Bianca, over the next 12 months? Absolutely. Well, I've just left um, BioConnect, which is a leading biometrics company in Toronto. So shout out to them, um, which they're a wonderful uh, group of human beings. 
I, I was there. I was their CIO, so I was the second hand in command. And now that I've left, I realized through the process of leaving a business, which I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can sort of relate to this, you leave a part of your heart behind, right? You grow this family, you grow these relationships. The one thing that I grew that it's kind of continuing with me is this curiosity about identity. So this new phase of my life, I'm really sort of going on a global stage and exploring um, to learn more about identity. And I'm doing that through speaking engagements, through going back to publishing and writing, collaborating in some consulting uh, projects with a few of the brilliant minds in the world about what is the future of identity and data and technology. Um, so I'm pretty excited to sort of like I'm launching um, myself as an independent, which is really outside of your comfort zone when you've been when you're an entrepreneur, you become the company, the company becomes you. Uh, so now going back to sort of looking myself in the mirror and saying, I'm just Bianca. Filling out applications with no affiliation to a particular product is both terrifying, but also really exciting because it allows me to maintain my technical integrity and, and really be um, politely critical about any and all products because I'm really there to sort of pursue the truth which is sort of a relentless pursuit of mine. What does it mean when you're talking about identity and what the future of identity is? Totally. Well, I think it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting question because people have been talking about I was actually just in Washington in a conference and this is a conference with a bunch of identity people, right? And we can't even get together and decide what the hell identity is. Um, so for the average listener out there, your identity could be, some people will say it's your piece of plastic, so like your driver's license or your passport, or in India, it's your biometrics because you've never actually had a registration. You could say to me that your identity is your hashtag, so your hashtag entrepreneur, so you, that's your identity, that's something you affiliate yourself with. What I do is look at this and say, how do all these moving things that are who you are or either belong to you are going to interact in this digital world of ours? So you see things like data breaches or privacy breaches about, oh, who has access to your location? Well, your location is sort of part of your identity, right? And it's, it's a very complex problem because if you're me, your location changes every two weeks or every three days. So... Who do you want to share that with? And that's really what I do is this digital identity ecosystem of all the things that if you think about it as a human, how do you identify yourself? Like, how do you, is it another stupid password and login that you forget? So that's what I do. I, I, I live in this complex, uh, changing world to try to figure it out how you sort of tie all these things together. Because in the end of the day, I fundamentally believe that you're Edwin, I'm Bianca, and there's only one Bianca and one Edwin. So how do we make that work in this like global, digital, hyper fast moving world? Just wanted to jump back and really take a look at your career. I mean, like you said, you're well traveled. I think you're a fintech expert. And you recently left a leading role at Bio BioConnect. So Aside from all the side projects that are, I think, in line with what you're really passionate about, can you share some of the key turning points that you encountered? Or ideally, Bianca, some type of hard decisions you had to make that eventually allowed you to grow as that business leader or that boss that people love to work for? Totally. Well, I think I think it's interesting because as a, fair, like a fairly young person that has led 
teams in pretty much every function I've had, and I've led teams from three people to 60 people. So um, it's a bit of a self-discovery exercise, and it took Mm -hmm. me a little bit of time to get to the self-awareness journey. I always thought I needed to, I think as leaders, we have this pressure, and when we're young, there's this pressure of knowing, and I've seen it in young or old, uh, we have this pressure of being the person who knows it all. And we have this notion and idea that we have to be deep experts and know all the answers. And I think the biggest shift for me is that I needed to ask all the questions. I needed to be present in the room and I needed to be able to learn that not one size fits all when it comes to leadership. Um, that every one of my humans and that I was either responsible for were actually just as responsible for me as I was for them. So it was this mental shift that, that occurred to me when needing to scale up a company. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times um, the true entrepreneurs are completely obsessed, slight control freaks, and maybe I'm giving away a few of my descriptions, but uh, they're, and they think they have to have their hands on everything and sort of do everything. Well, it becomes a bit of a problem when you're trying to scale up a company and a technology company. You can't be in every place, know every project, be part of every meeting and every decision. So in this journey of me scaling up as my own leader, I had to sort of look inwards in the behaviors I was um, showing to my team and and Mm -hmm. how I was thinking that leadership meant me being involved instead of me really getting to know who they were to the point, Edwin, that it got that if I was in a really busy week traveling every day, um, I would not miss my one-on-ones with my teams that I had, that every week we had a one-on-one with every single person. And sometimes for the first 20 minutes, it was always what was on their agenda. Mm -hmm. What do you want to talk to me about? Because that was an opportunity that I had of knowing what's happening in their life. Um, Because I'm such not a fan of this notion that work is this one silo thing and your life is this other silo thing. Right. Um, Because they're actually... Uh, they're one in the same mm-hmm. there is and i and i see it as like sort of a roller coaster there's times that you're going to work really hard as if you're going up on the roller coaster there's times you're going to coast a bit and the same goes with life so as a leader if i didn't invest in my people and really knew what part of the roller coaster they were in whether personally or professionally i might really miss the mark on how they needed me to support them because there's times that they really wanted the independence and that there was times that they really needed me there or they really needed me to, as their leader, know so I can supplement them, so I can get some other superstar in their team in that particular project because maybe their personal life was burning in hell. And mm-hmm. and that was a big learning lesson for me because that, in order for them to show up that vulnerable and that open to me, I had to mirror that behavior. And that's a scary thing to be, showing up as your authentic self as a leader when you're trying to prove you're capable of leading a scaling up technology company as a young woman is not an easy task because you have all these preconceived notions of what you're supposed to be. What were the challenges given your personal journey as that woman leader? I think one of the biggest challenges that I always talk to people when they ask me to talk about diversity or women in leadership is yourself. So go back to the self-awareness exercise, and I maybe preach that perhaps too much, but it's truly my unlocking. Others others will always underestimate you, and that could be your biggest advantage. 
Um, and I think that it's not your biggest advantage as a woman when you're afraid and you're afraid yourself, you, you doubt yourself to be able to do it so that there's that. And then I think that the second biggest contributing factor, other than I won't get into the salary discussion or any of the nonsense that we see today in the marketplace, mm-hmm. I think it's the, the notion of being willing to, there's, there's a bunch of them. There's, there's the support system that you have around you of people that need to vouch for you, need to take, pick up the phone and say she's great in spite of her age or in spite of the fact that she's a woman. It, it's still really sad that we're talking in these ways because we should talk, be talking about expertise and results, not if I'm a girl or a boy or whatever. Um, uh, but, but to me, it was I led differently. I fundamentally led different than my peers. And that's neither right or wrong. Um, but to me, I invested in getting to know my team and getting to know who they were as humans to understand where were their moral compasses, what excited them about what they were doing. And I think I took a really hard look at this because I couldn't stand another article about millennials being entitled. And I'll tell you this right now. I know way too many millennials and being one myself and, and they're not entitled. There's a lot of them that are not just wishing for something. They're actually willing to work really hard for something. But if you as a leader don't understand what is the, the something that they want to work hard for, it becomes really hard to use traditional management structures like incentives like pay or vacation or here's a cool hoodie or wear jeans to work. Maybe they don't care about any of that. So as a young woman, one of the challenges was how I led my team very differently than perhaps structural norms found today in the marketplace. As you grew and changed your role and more responsibles came out, but I know you talk about self-awareness and a lot, and that's really great. So can you share with us, like, how did you like incrementally adjust or really continually to understand that, you know what, I really have to have this self-awareness? Like, what was your aha moment? Oh, I think it was a multitude of aha moments. So I started meditating every day um, because I realized that how I showed up actually sort of, I'm a person that occupies space. <laughs> um, I've sort of been joked of being that have a, a, a magnetic field way too strong and I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of rays of sunshine and energy. I, I'm the kind of person that shows up in the office screaming, good morning. <laughs> so, so I realized how much of the way I showed up um, mattered on the interaction and the energy around the room. And, and, and as fluffy as that sounds to some people, it actually matters because you, you being calm and at least aware of, hey, I'm really upset about this one thing. Why am I upset about this? So I actually journal every morning. I wake up and I spend at least 10, time, 10 minutes meditating. And I sort of always write down three things that I'm really grateful for and three things that, I'm, that are really bothering me. And I find myself observing these so I can either let go of them or see if there's, is there something I could really do about this thing that's bothering me today? And if there isn't, how am I going to show up in my office and how am I going to show up in the interactions with the people that I'm leading? That usually sets sort of the mood, if one could say, or the energy or the availability or even the awareness that you have. Like we are all such busy people in a land with so much information being thrown at us at any given minute that I feel like sometimes we forget to be present. Right. And not being present makes you miss these opportunities, these opportunities to connect with people, these ideas that come out of it because you were actually present. So that was one of my big aha moments is that I was running from meeting to meeting 
And sometimes I thought that all I needed to do is have a real a really clearly articulated agenda for the meeting mm-hmm. and I could have less than five minutes between meetings. And what I missed in that is that I was actually going from a room with five individuals that were going through five different things to another room with maybe another five individuals that were in a completely different time of their day, stage of their life, importance of their career. So sometimes when the office was really busy, we would actually start by saying, what is the one thing you're leaving outside of this room before this meeting starts so we can actually focus on the meeting? So the same way you would talk about objectives. Hey there. What do you think? Not sure about you, but when I was talking with Bianca, I, I really couldn't believe that there is such a need for an identity and fintech expert, but I guess it's truly needed at the present time. If you are enjoying this podcast, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where we share our latest interviews, events, and upcoming guests. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Let's get back to it. So you being um, a millennial, you said you're a millennial, you're, you're, you would say you're young, you're business leader, you have this insight already. So when you look at other people now, what do you think the biggest challenge facing them becoming a leader is today? Well, I wouldn't be so quick to say I I can look at somebody and know what their biggest challenge is, because I think that that took so much work for me to find out what my challenges were. Mm -hmm. I had to take a lot of skeletons out of my own closet, and I still don't know if I can tell you what my challenges are. I know that they keep evolving. Um... I don't know if I have a blanket statement answer of like, what are their biggest challenges as the leaders today? I, I think that okay, if you, so, but, if, if they, if they know the answer really quick, they probably haven't dig like far enough. I right. think it would be my first quick inkling of an answer is like, are you sure that's really the problem? Cause that's probably a symptom of a problem. <laughs> no, for sure. Oh, I, I, so let me re- reframe it then, Bianca. Like what then, what do you believe would be a, some good characteristics for, for today's business leader that, that they should have then? I think it's being willing to be wrong. Um, I think that that's something that for some number of years and, and, sort of older leadership books is it's it's all about how you have to be this be human be wrong means being human be you're gonna have crappy days you're gonna have really great days i think that that ability to gracefully navigate through that and i think that's where i found sort of uh meditation for me because it allowed me to have a more even keeled um and not be so roller coaster <laughs> of emotions around my team. I think the other thing is just being curious. I think I'm I'm a fundamental believer of like whatever you're going to lead in the future. You look at the S&P companies and how they used to last 75 to 90 years and now how the average expectancy of a company is like 15 and how you see really the big 4 in the states, Facebook, Amazon, um Apple and Google really taking sort of a organized oligopoly over the world, like for companies to survive and thrive in today's world, I think the leader has to be willing to understand that he doesn't have to have all the answers and that his business is going to change really quickly and that he's going to have to do partnerships that perhaps he make him uncomfortable. So I think that having that adaptability as a core competency or 
be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Be comfortable. I'm a, I'm a big mantra of like change is life only constant. So I think if you live by that and, and learn how to be quick on your feet through that process, I think that's going to be a, a trait of a successful leader in the future. I may regret this, Bianca, but just oh God. just let's, let's go. <laughs> just, just knowing how much you read, but so what what are you reading right now? Actually, I just read the the four from Scott Galloway. Okay, uh, which is a really interesting uh, book about uh, hidden DNA of like Amazon, Facebook, and Google, and sort of like how human beings are wired. And then I read uh, another book that a dear friend of mine gave to me, which is called The Artist's Way. Um, by Julia Cameron. And it's really about a spiritual path to higher creativity. So it's sort of taking some bounds of who you are and deconstructing that to allow yourself to be creative. And as a mathematician and like a person that's super data technical, learning how to have creativity and learning how to let that those two sides of my brain work together is when you're busy, it's certainly really hard, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's helped me a lot. Oh, very cool. I know the artist way that's always in conversations with me and in my social circles. Uh, great, great book. Can you give us the cold notes of, of, of the first book that you mentioned? It was The Four? It may- the Four. So The Four is really about, um, so Scott Galloway is a brilliant person. I actually just saw him in D.C. speaking. And he is talking about sort of how um, Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple have and the reason why I like it is because it talks about something I fundamentally believe in is mm-hmm. that we, we humans have operating systems, whether we realize it or not. We have basic instincts that guide who we are and how we are and how these four companies have really taken um, a brilliant approach at pulling away of these natural instincts and, and sort of hooking us like a good drug and, and how that's having an impact in the economy of not only the United States, but globally, how the four companies have combined uh, have large, larger GDPs than most nations in the world. So how that is actually against basic economic rule and values, which as an economist as well, like I fundamentally believe in let's be cap, but let's be social capitalists and, and, and allow the marketplace to have a competitive landscape, which I'm sure if you just think about Amazon alone, you can see how the retail landscape has been just abolished. And, and that's when I think of Canada, that's 60 to 70% of our GDP is small to medium sized businesses and entrepreneurs that are trying to make a living. So how is the future of that going to impact our society? So no. that's what the book's about. And it's really interesting. Fun question I get to ask. And I really love, I really enjoy this question, Bianca. If I were to, mm-hmm. ask, if I were to ask any of your team and any of your colleagues, past, present, peers, what's the best leadership that Bianca has? What do you think they would say? Oh my goodness! You should ask them. Actually, that should be part of the episode. You should call. You should call the people that that connected us and tell them, "Hey, how big of a monster is she?" <laughs> I might. I might. I might have to then. <laughs> no, absolutely. Please do. Uh, there's a few of them that I just would give you the straight answer. Uh, what's the best? I think is that I'm. I think it's that I care for them and I've inspired them to live up their own dreams instead of telling them that they should want to live up mine. I think that that I would hope that that would be my biggest um, characteristic as a leader is that I've cared enough to know who they are each individually. Um, I was, I was so fortunate to just have uh, 
an amazing group of humans and and even like my part away gifts were very different gifts for every single person from poor tech classes to beer courses to personal coaches to talk about values. Those are some of the gifts that I was fortunate to family portraits because one of them was pregnant and has little ones. I, I think that I would hope that that would be it, but I, the biggest skill that you have as a leader is how do you line up your company's dreams with, every single one of the individuals that are actually making your company possible's dreams aligned and how do you and if you don't know those you're likely going to lose them and not in a very social capitalist form utilize them to the best of your need to get to the company dream that you have Bianca what else do you have any other special projects i know you're making some changes within your professional career maybe you have some new initi- initiatives ideally maybe maybe even something fun that you're looking forward to wow well there's there's a few things actually um one of them uh sort of this is my opportunity for shameless plugs i'm getting uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but i'm actually working on bringing identity and biometrics to the agenda of a lot of conferences and a lot of learning opportunities. So if you're out there listening to this and you're putting something together, I'd love to talk because I'm a firm believer in education. And I think our industry, as it relates to privacy and data uh, and identity and financial services, has not explained it to anybody in plain damn English. And you see these news about Facebook and, and it's really easy to sort of pick one person and point. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to, to partake in conferences and, and gatherings all around the world to talk to brilliant people, understand their perspective, understand their current economical social situation, and how do these issues really impact them. So that's one thing I'm super pumped about. I'm really pumped about starting to write again and being able to, to, to me, writing is not only catharsis, but it's also an opportunity to get perspective. So if I'm putting something out there and you read it and you have a very uh, disgust or different opinion or <laughs> you think it's awesome, like I, I, I love that at human interaction. So I'm super, super, super excited about that front. And then third, last but not least, I'm uh, starting to work on a program uh, called Enablers, where as a, as a person from an emerging country, a lot of people tend to say that financial inclusion is the route to helping the poor, which please cry me a river, stop with this. Um, I, I hate it. I hate this notion that... Um, civilized nations are going to come do their modern version of their tech crusades and tell Africa, Brazil, or anywhere, frankly, that, that this is how the world should be. So I'm actually working in a program of, of, with a few large, I can't devout yet, but uh, a few large organizations to, to try to figure out how do you enable and enabling happening happens with like engagement, with exchange of, of content and, and materials. So, if you're working on anything in emerging countries and uh, that today is called inclusion, I'm also like super excited to connect. Um, amazing. I love how busy you are right now. So we'll definitely share. I'm the I, busiest unemployed person that most people. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yes, my friends, my friends say that to me. They're like, I thought you were going to be chilled now. Like what's going on? Yeah, you're no, flying you, everywhere. Uh, I'm going to Dubai in a few weeks, which I'm super excited about. Never been. So that's cool. That's cool. But uh, before we end, Bianca, do you have any final thoughts, observations? Ideally, 
we're looking for some type of actionable recommendations that you could share to anyone who is going through like similar stages when you were growing as a manager or a leader, or even taking a step aside now and, and going through entrepreneurial. I think take a really good um, scan of yourself of what are you passionate about? What are your dreams? And don't tell me your dream is to grow a big company and to change the world. Like, why are you really doing this? What is your why? What are the things that you're fundamentally really good at? And what are the things you're really scared about? So I think taking that first step allows you to see who you're going to partner with. Where do I maybe need to hire somebody to help me because I'm clearly hitting a roadblock and running my company and maybe that's because of me. So I think looking at you inside first and then what are the practices that you're going to do as life gets busy to make sure that that's always in check because you're your, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you fundamentally believe that you're your biggest weapon and tool of ability to change the world. You have a little bit of an ego in there, which keeps you going, getting up when you fail. So make sure that that sort of internal construct is in check as you navigate through whatever phase of your business is, if it's starting, that might help you determine why you're going to do something, which kind of co-founders you might need or, or, or advisory board. Don't call them mentors because that's another pet peeve of mine. But it, if you're stuck trying to grow, you might find out why you're not growing because you are part of the DNA of your company. If you started, you, you are the reason why a lot of people said, yes, you probably interviewed them first. So, so where did that train get off the tracks? Or if you're maybe stepping aside or letting someone else grow or you've just gone through a VC raise, I think it's even just as important, if not more, about understanding what is that, your why, because we change, right? So Bianca, to close, can you tell us where we could find more information about you? Mind you, share it here. We will post it on the links as well. Or how we could you know, follow you and, and see what you're up to over the next six, 12 months. Absolutely. I'm actually just starting with Instagram, which will be fun because I'm a video. So you'll get my unfiltered version on Instagram and it's Bia SM Lopez, which is the same as my Twitter handle or just connect with me on LinkedIn. So we'll be between LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. You can probably find all the versions of, of, of me out there. No, that's amazing. Bianca, I, this was amazing. Thank you for your time and joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you for doing this. This is amazing. Thank you for doing Keep It Up. Can't wait to see the next one. That's it, biz leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 61 with Bianca Lopez. If you want to learn more about Bianca, identity, fintech, or anything we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 061. Our sponsors today is BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. And also Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they are calling in. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or wherever you listening to the podcast today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.